0: Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Nehemiah chapter five. Now you have to remember, Nehemiah is one of my favorite, favorite books in the Bible. It's maybe one of the greatest trainings on leadership that you can ever find. Nehemiah five, beginning with verse one. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. Now they weren't dealing with Sambalat and Tobiah now, they weren't dealing with outside enemies, they're dealing with inside enemies. So this is an inside problem. For there were those who had said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. And there were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. Now, beloved, please, I want you to notice they are rebuilding the walls in famine they are doing a huge building project in the middle of a famine now i look at some of that and i go god that's not exactly a good time to build but it's exactly a great time to build <laughs> so pastor what because as they gave of them gave of themselves god would bless them As they sowed seed for the work of God, God would bless them. Yeah, because of the famine. So they rebuilt the walls in famine. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our field and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to become slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it is not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards. And I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. And I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. And I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them. Now, I want you to notice something. All through the scriptures, God never allowed a Jew to charge interest to a Jew. You were to loan money at no interest to another Jew. Now, that's not a business investment, okay? This is not investment. This is not business. This is need. So this is not business. This is not borrowing money to go make money. This is borrowing money because you got to put food on the table. Now, I want you to notice the nobles and the officials. These were the people who were here before Nehemiah, before Nehemiah ever came. These were the people who were there. And said to them, as far as we are able, we have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. And they were silent, could not find a word to say. So Nehemiah was not controlled by the, by the wealthy. Nehemiah was not controlled by the wealthy. He was a spiritual leader. Now, yes, he was a a cupbearer to the king, but he was a spiritual man. And he was not going to be controlled by rich people. And, you know, rich people really don't like it when they can't control you and they get really mad. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? He said, well, listen, people are making fun of us because of you. Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. He didn't say you can't collect it back from them. He said, just stop the interest right now. It's a famine. We're trying to do this great building project. And the law of Moses said you're not supposed to exact interest. Return to them this very day, their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. All right, so give back the collateral needed to earn and live and give back the interest. Now, you know this didn't make Nehemiah a very popular person, okay? Okay. First, you got to give back the interest and then you have to give back the collateral because in their day, you didn't get to keep using your collateral. Like if, if you mortgaged your house, they took control of your house and you moved out. If, if you mortgaged your olive orchards or your vineyards or your fields, you lost the right to use them. I mean, they took them. They held them. It's not like today when you go buy a car and you, you have a, a mortgage on the car and, or mortgage on your home and you get to use it while you're paying it off. No, no, no. This was different. They actually took the collateral. I said, now give back the collateral. Let them control it. They can earn and pay you back. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called all the priests and made them swear to do as they promised. He says, all right, let's, let's get the religious leaders in here and make you say it in front of them. And I also shook out the fold of my garment. Prophesy. So may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor, from his house and from his labor, who does not keep this promise, so may may be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they promised. Now notice, he not only had the priests come to listen to their promise to do this and make this right. He stood before God and said, God, and he shook out his, his robe. He said, God, shake these people out. Shake them out of their own house. Shake them out of their own assets, their own fields. And God, let them be emptied. Wow. Now Nehemiah was a pretty tough guy. He said, "Lord, may these people—they—they've emptied the people. Let them be emptied." Wow. He said, "Pastor, did he curse them? I wouldn't call this a curse. I would call this a reaping what you sow." So he maybe he shaken out and emptied. Moreover, from the time that from that time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king, 12 years. Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. Now notice, Nehemiah was made the governor. Nehemiah was in charge. These people had no choice but to bow to him or face Artaxerxes, the king. Ah... Sometimes God gives you authority and you have to use. All right, so he had authority. He used his authority to end the corruption among the rich people. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them their daily ration of 40 shekels of silver. Even their lords, Even their servants lorded over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of the Lord. So notice, laid heavy burdens on the people. As leaders, we don't lay heavy burdens on the people. Okay? We just don't do that. You know, I sat down with a, a pastor one day, and he was telling me how he did things and said, this is how you should do things. You could become a very wealthy man, pastor. And I said, you know, God has already blessed me. I said, I'm I'm a blessed man. But I haven't been blessed because of what you're doing. He said, no, no. And he told me how he has a connect group. And every one of the connect group members contributes a part of his uh, SUV payment every month. And then he has another connect group. And every one of those members contribute a portion of his house mortgage payment every month. And then he has another connect group. And they all give him money individually. And that's where he gets. And he said, I never take anything from the church. No, but you've destroyed, you know, what, 36, 40 people's lives. I said, you've got people that don't even have a car and they're buying you a car. You know, as leaders, as leaders, we don't lay a heavy burden on the people. We don't go around it. Even when we visit you in your home, have you ever noticed we don't want you to cook for us? We don't want you to feed us. We don't want to be a burden to you. We are there to serve. So whether it's in your home or anything else, God takes care of us as the servants of God, and we're just there to serve the people. Something to remember. I also persevered in the work of the wall, and we acquired no land, and all of my servants were gathered there to work. So he joined the work. He said, listen, I got involved in this. And he said, you know, I didn't get, I didn't go and take advantage of people and take away their land because I'm the governor and I could have any piece of land I wanted. He said, I didn't go take advantage of people. I worked on the wall. I took, did not take advantage of the people and I joined the people that were gathered there to work. Leaders work with the people. It's a great book of leadership. Moreover, there were at my table hundred and fifty men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now, what, I, what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox, six choice sheep, and birds, and every ten days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy for this people. He said, "I didn't, I didn't take my rights." This is like Paul with the church of Corinth. He did not exercise his rights. Remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. Now here, here is a prayer for leaders. This is a prayer for leaders. Prayer for pastors, a prayer for ECS members, a prayer for CS members, a prayer for connect group leaders. Remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. Now, you're going to see that people will forget you. Now, leaders, listen to me on this. People will forget you. There will always rise a new generation that forgets Joseph. There will always be people who come along and forget all your years of sacrifice, all that you have done. They'll forget all that you've done for their families. They'll forget all of that. But God never forgets. So leaders, sometimes you come before the Lord, And you say, remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. God remembers and God repays. All right? God remembers and God repays. So so don't look for people to have la la'ob. Don't look for that. You're only going to get hurt. Look for God to remember. Ah, get a hold of that. Never look to people. For Utang Nang Never look to people for that. Ever. Never look to people for that. Never expect people to remember what you have sacrificed and done for them. But God will. And God will repay. Chapter six. Now when Sam and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab, alright, these are our three enemies. And Gesheb the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had yet to set the doors and the gates. Sam and Gesheb sent to me, saying, come, let us meet together at Hekaferam in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Wow great truth you're going to find your enemies deceive and want the work stop they deceive and they want the work stopped and you just have to decide you know what i'm not going to stop the work i'm going to finish i don't have time to go play around they want to talk peace peace fine they can go talk peace peace but i'm going to keep my work going. And they said to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. And so he's stubborn. <laughs> I like Nehemiah. He's stubborn. I said, I'm not going to stop the work. I got a job to do and I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to fall for your little peace, peace thing. Cause you have no desire for peace. You just want to harm me. You just, you, you just want to get me away and stop the work. Now remember they're almost done. I call this the, the temptation of almost done. You're almost done and it sounds like people want peace, but they don't want peace. In the same way, Sam Ballack for the fifth time sent a servant to me with an open letter. Ah, so he wants this to be public. This is what you call a Facebook post. He wants everybody to see this. You control by publicity. In it, it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it that you and the Jews intend to rebel, and that is why you are rebuilding the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. All right. So this is all big lies, twisted truth, etc., etc. And we're going to say this publicly. This is called a Facebook post to control you by the fear of publicity. Control by publicity, fear. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king of Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So come now and let us take counsel. In other words, meet with us. This is the use of media, this is the use of publicity to force a wrong action. They just wanted the construction to stop. Then I said to them saying, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. You know, some people have great imaginations enemies have great imaginations have you ever noticed that enemies have great imagination then i sent to them saying no such things as you have say have been done for you are inventing them out of your mind for they all wanted to frighten us now notice this is an open letter this is public facebook post thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done again notice the goal The goal is to stop the work. Now, they use a variety of techniques, but it's always the same goal. But now, God, strengthen my hands. His response, prayer. This is how you respond to the lies of an enemy. You pray, strengthen my hands. I like that. Strengthen my hands. Now, when I went up to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you and they're coming to kill you by night. But I said, such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. Now notice, I will not go in. Nehemiah. As a non priest, not allowed in the temple. He respected the house of God. Now, later on, we'll see that, that Elishib, one of the priests, actually took Tobiah and gave him a, a condo in the middle of the temple. Okay? Elishib had no respect for the house of God, Nehemiah had respect for the house of God. And he said, and I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. Here is a prophet for profit. He'd been paid for. Tobiah and Samballot gave him money and said, we want you to use your spiritual influence and prophesy. get the people, get the people to believe that, that, that he's doing something wrong. Get him to believe that it's all right for him to come inside the temple and break the law of God. That, see, everything they were trying to do was to get the people to turn against Nehemiah. They wanted the work to stop. And every one of these techniques that you see here is an attempt to stop the work. If he had gone into the temple, the people would have been scandalized because as a non-priest, he was not allowed in. And then they would say he's just afraid and he's, he's living in fear and he tells us not to be afraid. Everything they were trying to do was to discredit him and stop the great work of God. Now, if you're a leader, one of the things you're gonna have to learn is that all the attacks that come against your life have nothing to do with you. It's about stopping the work of God. And when you realize that, you don't take things so personally and you realize the number one thing I have to do is keep doing the work that God gave me to do. Remember Tobiah and Samballot, oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Ah, so there is a group of prophets for profit. There's a group of prophets for profit and they rounded up all these people. And you know what? They probably got some of those rich folks that didn't like it that Nehemiah messed up their income. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard it and all the nations around us were afraid, and fell greatly in their own self-esteem. Now, why did they fall in their own self-esteem? They tried to demoralize the workers. Well, you know, if even a fox jumps up on this wall, it's going to fall down. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. When people try to destroy your self-esteem and make you question your self-worth, when you finish the work God has given you, they're the ones that fall greatly in their self-esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Even they had to recognize God has done this. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Jerusalem were bound by an oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehanahan had taken the daughter of Meshulam the daughter of Bekahiah, as his wife. And they spoke of his good deeds in my present and reported my words to him. And Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. Now, now look at this. Grabe I mean, I notice the nobles of Judah. Do you remember these guys earlier that were loaning all the money at interest and taking everybody's collateral so they couldn't earn in the time of famine while they're supposed to be rebuilding the wall? Now it's their payback time. You see, when rich people don't get their way, they always find a way to get even. And the nobles sent many letters to Tobiah. This is Nehemiah's enemy, so let's be friends with Nehemiah's enemy. You're always going to find out who people really are by their friendship with your enemies. Ah, people who want to destroy you when you find people around you constantly in communication with them. And then they come to you and they speak so well. Oh, they're such a nice person. Tobiah is such a nice guy. Uh, you know, Sam Ballard is such a nice guy. Oh, they're such wonderful people. But these guys did nothing but try to destroy the work of God. Wow. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when the wall had been built and I set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle charge over Jerusalem, for he was more faithful and God-fearing man than many. All right. So leadership chosen by character and walk with God. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them be shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some with their guard posts and some in front of their own houses. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few and no houses had been rebuilt. And we'll pick up there tomorrow and talk about the repopulation now of Jerusalem. Now there's some pretty strong stuff in here. And this is the reality of understanding leadership. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? And do you not know that the saints will judge the world and that the world be judged by you? Are you incompetent to try such trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to life? So if you have such cases, why? do you not lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there's no one among you who are wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers, but brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong and why not be defrauded, but you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Now, Let's just stop there and ask the question, is it wrong to sue a brother? And the answer would be yes. Is it wrong to defend yourself against a brother? And the answer would be no. It's how you use the law. Now, I want you to remember, you know, there are Christians that think that they can get away with everything, and so they don't pay their debts to you, and they take advantage of you, and they lie about you, and they do all kinds of things, because after all, there are no consequences, they think. And that's fine. People have wronged me all my life, stolen money from me all my life. That's fine. But there's also a time when you have to just say, now, wait a minute, I do have a right to defend myself. Think with me about the Apostle Paul. When they were about to stretch him out and beat him, he said, excuse me, I'm a Roman citizen. He used his legal rights to stop a beating. He used his legal rights his legal rights as a shield, not as a weapon, not as a sword to attack, but as a shield. When he was about to again be taken advantage of, he, he again said, I appeal to Caesar. He again used his legal right as a Roman citizen to protect himself against the slander and lies of the Jews. Now, please, I'm not making, I'm not trying to to play semantics. But we have to understand there is a difference between being cheated and being destroyed. Now, cheat me all you want. Try and destroy me. I have the right to use the law as a shield against you, not to attack you, but to defend myself. And this is something that you have to learn. And there is a difference, and you, you have to know it in your heart. You, you, as a Christian, all of my life, people have stolen from me and they've done all kinds of things to me, but you know what, God will provide. But there comes a point when people want to destroy you. And when people want to destroy you, then like Paul, you have the right to use the law as a shield. He did it on two occasions. And he's the one who writes this to us, okay? Verse nine, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to notice this. There are people who will not inherit the kingdom of God, and they can say they're Christians all day long, but not the sexually immoral, not the idolaters, not the adulterers. You can't go around living in adultery and think you're going to heaven, nor men who practice homosexuality. I know in the world today, it's really popular, but Sorry, you don't inherit the kingdom of God, nor thieves. You you can't go and steal from people. And you know what? Borrowing money and not paying it back is stealing. Okay, I'm sorry. Borrowing money from people and not paying it back is stealing. Thieves will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Borrowing money from people and then going out and buying expensive things for yourself, I was always taught that was stealing. See, I'm, I'm a funny person. I was always taught that when you owe somebody money, you don't go buy things for yourself until you pay them back. <laughs> Nor the greedy. Now That's amazing. Greedy. Greedy is an attitude of the heart that always wants more. Now that, it's amazing how people who are jealous of you will always say that you're greedy because God blesses you. But you know what? Receiving the blessings of God is not being greedy. God has been good to you. So enjoy it. But then be content because look at what God has done for me. Drunkards, sorry, I know everybody wants to get drunk today, but, you know, no drunkards will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Revilers, these are the party goers. The, it, it literally could mean clubbing. Nor the swindlers. You know, Christians are run around and swindle people. You know, Christian businessmen who um, never keep their contracts and who, who overprice things, you know forgive me, i got to be careful. I don't get into too many details or people will think I'm talking about them. You, know, you can't go swindle people in business and call it, you know, I made, I, I'm doing good business. I'm, I'm sorry. They should never think that they will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, the return to sender, you know, you, you've got a contract for something, you're a purchaser in your company. You have signing authority in your company and you you make, a, you make a deal where somebody does a return to send or they stick some money in your account and they give you a gift for the contract. That's, that's swindling. He said, and such were some of you. He said, that's what you used to be. He said, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We're different now. He said, listen, some of you people in the church you used to be sexually immoral. You used to be idolaters. You used to be adulterers. You used to be homosexuals. You used to be thieves and greedy and drunkards and revilers and swindlers. He said, that's what you used to be. He said, hey, we all have a past, but you were washed. (laughs) Oh, I like that. He said, but you were washed. Oh, I like that even more, but you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the working of the Holy Spirit. I think, say that with me, I've been washed, I've been sanctified, I've been justified. All that stuff has been washed off your life. Doesn't matter how sick the mud of sin is, the blood of Jesus washes every one of us equally white as snow. We're sanctified. That means set apart from sin for a holy purpose. We've been set apart from all this nasty stuff. We were justified, just as if we've never done any of that. Just as if you were never an adulterer. Just as if you were never a homosexual. Just as if you were never sexually immoral. Just as if you were never a drunkard. Just as if you were never a swindler. Just as if you were never a thief and greedy. Just as if you were never any of that. That's the work of the grace of God. Oh, God is good. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, brothers and sisters, you have to learn in life. You just have to decide I'm not dominated by anything except Jesus. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now you need to get a hold of that. The body was meant for one man, one woman for life. It wasn't meant for sexual immorality. Doctors will tell you that the immune system does not function very well in the sexual organs because they they were meant to bring life not meant to bring death. A woman's Vagina and a man's sexual organ. I mean, these things, the, the immune systems are just not, your mouth has a strong immune system. Your skin is a defense. I mean, every part of your body is, is, has a defense mechanism, but those areas, those areas are meant to give and receive life. So please, the body was not meant for sexual immorality. And God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? So what are you doing? Now remember, the Corinthians, there was a word back in that day that would loosely be translated to Corinthianize. It meant to make sexually immoral or deviant, Remember, the Corinthians practiced sexual immorality with prostitutes as an act of worship of the goddess of Aphrodite. Remember, she had her temple on the Acro-Corinth above the city, and the prostitutes would come down every evening. So Paul had to work really hard on the church in Corinth. Hey, would you get the sexual immorality out of the church? There's so much sexual immorality in the church. Let's get it out. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but a sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now, beloved, you can take it or you can leave it but when you're sexually immoral, it brings a penalty against your physical body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Beautiful, beautiful truth. You belong to Jesus, body, soul, and spirit. All right, let's have a little bit of wisdom from Proverbs today before we close out. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation today. He said, listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and I detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding. Clear, okay, here's plain and here's clear to those with knowledge. All right, so some do not understand. He said, I'm not speaking with deviousness or crookedness, but you know, <laughs> people without understanding, without knowledge, they don't get it. Choose by instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies and nothing that you can desire can can compare with it. Amen. All right, we'll see you tonight as we get back into the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been reading it for devotions and now we're preaching it at night. We'll see you then.
1: Seven o'clock sharp.